you, Pastor Tucker, and thank you, Pastor Stephanie, for having me. It was It is always a pleasure to minister at my church. I love ministering the Word of God. I love preaching and teaching, and I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do it in several places, but there are some places that are more dear to my heart than others, and my church is one of those places. My church is like home. It's an extension of Flow Church, and I just love your pastors so very much. I love the people. I love your leadership. I love the vision. I love everything about it, and I'm just so proud to be connected with you in any way that I can. But I'm excited to teach, so let's get into the Word of God. I'm going to pray, and then we'll go ahead and dive in. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just thank you, God, for the opportunity to stand before your people to minister your Word. Father, I ask that you allow the word to come forth with boldness, with power, and with authority. And I declare that those who hear this word will allow it to be planted in their hearts, that they may change into the word that they see, hear, and understand. Father, I ask for miracle signs and wonders to follow this word, God. And I just pray for your increase now. God, bless my church in the name of Jesus. God, you know what you've called them to do in this season of ministry. And God, I just speak increase over them now in the name of Jesus. God, provide every resource that they need. Provide every bit of strength that they need to do what you've called them to do. And God, I thank you now for a wonderful time in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before I start, I know I was about to start, I have to first give honor to my pastor, Dr. Russell Cash Jr. He is my pastor. He's also my husband and my very best friend. And I'm just so happy that I get to do ministry with him. He is by far the senior pastor of our church. He's the visionary. He's the engine behind all that we do. But it is my pleasure to stand with him. And my timer just went out, y'all, <laughs> to stand with him. Um, and do what we're called to do is my honor to be his wife and to co-pastor with him and to be the first lady of our church. That is simply my pleasure. Okay. Into, I did all the festivities. I did all the preliminary things. I did everything right. Okay. If you've never heard me minister before, I am very, very informal. The word's going to be good because is the word of God. But if you're looking for somebody real rigorous and structured, that's not me. I'm going to always be me. I'm going to always be my personality. And I appreciate your pastors because they know that about me, but they still invite me to come and minister at this place of worship. So October is uh, Depression Awareness Month. And I have such a, a passion for people who are dealing with depression. If you've never heard my testimony before, I suffered from horrible postpartum depression after both of my children. It was very bad. It was worse with the first one and a little bit better with the second one. Although one time um, I had a friend come over. I, actually, she's my sister in love. She came over uh, to sit with me because my baby girl just was always needing attention. And I just wanted to take a shower. And when she, she originally said she wanted to come over for an hour and she's going to sit with um, my baby girl while I took a shower, did my hair. When she got to the house, she said, Ooh, maybe I could stay all day because my hair looked like I had been in a tornado. I just wasn't looking like myself. And I told God with both of those situations, God, if you deliver me from this, I will use any platform that you give me to help people who are dealing with depression. And God has given me that platform. And I do an annual women's conference every year called the Breathe Conference. And we talk specifically about stress, depression, and anxiety. And actually your pastor, Pastor Stephanie, was one of my very first speakers at that conference many, many years ago. And every year we get so many testimonies from women all around the world about how the word 
and more importantly, how the environment has helped them because we believe that mental illness is just like anything else. If you had cancer, we would send you to an oncologist. If you had a rash, we would send you to a dermatologist. If you break a leg, we're sending you to an orthopedic specialist. If you have dental problems, we're sending you to a dentist. But for some reason in the kingdom, if people have um, emotional illness, we want them to just pray and fast and not giving them the environment to talk about it or the environment that we encourage them to go get the help that they need. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that therapy, therapy is a blessed word and there is nothing wrong with going to see a therapist. There's nothing wrong with that. And as mature believers, we don't have the right to think that mental illness, I'm going to talk specifically today about depression, that depression is something that only immature believers encounter. That's not true. That's a lie. And we need to pull down that stronghold and just like some people come into the kingdom broke, this how some people come into the kingdom rich and they become broke because life happens sometimes. There are things that may come up in your life that could cause depression to be present in your very household. But of course, God has hope. And we're going to get to the hope real, real quick. But I have a passion for that. And so as we are closing out uh, Depression Awareness Month, we're in the last couple of weeks of October, then what's coming right around the corner is the winter holiday season. And statistically from every uh, statistic that you can depute statistics and things like that, we know that depression is usually heightened or more people feel a sense of a, a greater sense of awareness about it during the holiday season because they miss their loved ones. And so during that time, you see more attempts of suicide, you see more attempts of isolation, you see more um, brokenness in families, separation rates with marriages go up and all those things happen during the holiday season because the rates of depression go up when the, that season comes about. But we have good news. Guess what? <laughs> we have the hope of Jesus Christ that will help anybody who is in those situations because although um, depression is attributed, a main contributing factor to homelessness is a main contributing factor to a lack of income security, to brokenness in families, divorce, and all of those things, the people of God have an answer for those things. Now, that answer is going to always start with Jesus. It's going to always start with prayer. It's going to always start with fasting, but it may continue with go see a therapist. But either way, if we as believers don't get the ball rolling, we cannot walk in the full authority that we have in the earth if we see people suffering and because they suffer differently from how we suffer we feel like it doesn't apply to us or it doesn't have anything to do with us but as believers we have to be willing to use every resource that God gives us to minister to anyone in need and to do it in such a way that we don't cause shame to come on them or guilt or condemnation to come on them, but we are willing to stand firm in what uh, they need. I was with my children one day, we were in Philadelphia and in the particular city we were in, this was a couple months ago, we took a quick trip up there. There were a lot of homeless drug addicts in the area we were in. And I was explaining to my children who are 21 and 13, that the only difference between us and them is that when we fell on hard times, we had the hope of the word of God to pick us up. There are so many people who you see who are homeless, who are in a broken relationship, domestic violence, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. The only thing that makes them different from us is at that moment where they felt their lowest 
at that moment where they lost their job, where a family member died, when they got foreclosed on, when the electricity was cut off, when they didn't get the house they wanted, when they didn't get the promotion they knew that they deserved. The only thing, the difference between them and us was not their intellectual level. It wasn't their level of education. It wasn't their credit score. It's that we had the hope of the word of God that let us know that even though I'm feeling like this right now because of God and his word and because of the ministry of Jesus, I know that I won't stay like this forever. I know that what I'm feeling right now is temporary because God has given me a promise in his word that says that there's something better coming. And so we didn't have to turn to drugs. We didn't have to turn to alcohol. We didn't have to turn to violence. We didn't have to turn to depression. We didn't have to turn to all of those things because we knew that there was hope. And so as believers, we have to take a serious mandate to offer that same hope to other people. And just getting back to the depression piece, there are two types of depression. There, there are many types, but there are two primary reasons that people feel depressed. And the first one is a chemical imbalance in their brain or in their body where their hormones are all off and the chemicals are all off and they have uncontrollable bouts of sadness uncontrollable bouts of feeling anxiety or loneliness or isolation. And even though you can tell them a thousand times that you love them or cheer up, you so blessed and you have all this stuff, they don't have the ability to control that. And then there's another type that comes from grief. And I know most of the time when you hear the word grief, you think about grieving the loss of a loved one, but you can also grieve the loss of a job you can grieve the loss of a marriage. You can grieve the loss of an opportunity. You can grieve the loss of a house. You can grieve the loss of anything because grief is just simply your body identifying and recognizing that there was a loss. And people lose a lot of different things. And so that grief or that imbalance is what causes depression to come up in our lives. But again, people of God, we have the answer for that. So if it's you, if you're dealing with depression right now, I want you to know that this is a safe place for you, that we as believers are not going to ever condemn you for going through what you're going through because we've all been through something. We all have experienced something that we never thought we would experience. We've had sickness come upon us and we thought we wouldn't have that. We've had poverty come upon us and we thought we wouldn't have that. We've had trouble in our marriages come upon us and we thought that would never happen to us or our children are behaving in a way that we didn't raise them to do. And so if you are here in this place, I want you to know that my church is a safe place for anyone dealing with mental health. Pastor Stephanie is a licensed therapist. She's a social worker and a licensed therapist. She has the skills and the ability to minister to you, to help you get through that without condemnation, without guilt, and without shame. And so we want to, in addition to getting you therapy, we want you to understand that the hope of the word of God is available. So now for the rest of this message, I'm talking to people who are ready to give the hope. We're ready to help people because I know that you use your faith for a new house and you should do that. You use your faith for a new car. You should do that. You use your faith for your health to lose weight, to gain weight. You should do that. You use uh, your faith to bring in additional income and you should be doing all that stuff. But I want you to begin to think about using your faith to help somebody else, using your faith to get the hope of the word of God to other people. Because when it comes to homelessness, when it comes to broken families, when it comes to domestic 
violence, when it comes to uh, mentoring teens who are lost and all of those things, there is a numberless amount of organizations who can help with those needs. Anybody can write a check. Anybody can do community service. Anybody can do outreach. Anybody can do those things. But there's one thing that only believers can do. There's one thing that only the kingdom of God can do, and that is evangelize the lost. Because without the hope of the word of God, there's nothing for people to anchor to. There's nothing for them to be tethered to when the hard times of life come up. And guess what? I don't care how spiritually mature you are. You will be in proximity to a hard time. You will lose a loved one. Something may not go the way you want it to go. But when you have the hope of the word of God in your life, those things don't take you out. And when you have the faith of God, you know how to speak ahead of time to stop certain things from happening. So I'm not saying that every believer is going to experience calamity. You won't always experience calamity, but if those things even try to come up, it's the word of God that will stop it from coming. And because somebody took the time to evangelize you, you are in the position that you are now. And so we have to have compassion for those who are lost so that they can have the same sense of hope that we have. So open your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter one, and we're going to start there. And I've recently got some new contact lenses. It's been... I don't know, about four or five months now. It still feels recent to me. So I can see way over there. I can see how many braids the camera person has in her head. I can see the detail in her shirt. I thank God for the camera people here. Thank God for the people in the studio. But what I can't see is right here. <laughs> so you're going to see me put my reading glasses on and off, on and off, on and off. It's not a, fa a fashion statement. I literally cannot see. But I praise God for the scientists and the uh, um medical people who came up with glasses. Thank you so much for that. And the concave uh, lenses that allow me to see at different distances. I thank God for fixing things sometimes supernaturally and sometimes with some reading glasses. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so look here at uh, Acts chapter one and look at verse eight. It says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and until the uttermost parts of the world. So here it says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, before we talk about what we're going to have power to do, let's remember what we know about Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God in us. Everybody write that down. Holy Spirit is God in us. Holy Spirit is our primary teacher of the things related to the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit may not be our algebra teacher, <coughs> excuse me, he may not be our biology teacher, he may not be our grammar teacher, but he is the teacher that teaches us how to be the real us because we're a part of God's kingdom and the Holy Spirit teaches us how to navigate our citizenship the way that God intended us. And then the Holy Spirit brings all things to our remembrance and Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. So he is God in us. He is our primary teacher on how to do things in the kingdom. And he is the one that gives us power to walk out the authority that we have in the kingdom. So we cannot ever discredit Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is so important to us as believers. But it says here, <coughs> excuse me, 
It says here that after we get Holy Spirit, we're going to have power to do what? Not power to increase our wealth, not power to buy a new house, not power to have the fruit of the Spirit, not power to have miracle signs and wonders, not power to shout, not power to speak in tongues, not power to dance. Now, all of those things are good and all of those things are promises in the kingdom. But let's look at the primary reason that Jesus left Holy Spirit for us. Now, if you're a Bible scholar, and I know you are, if you go to my church, you know all throughout the gospels that Jesus promised to leave us a comforter. He said he would not leave us alone. And then he told us to wait and tarry for Holy Spirit to come. But he says specifically that he shall give you power to be witnesses unto me. And so the primary reason that God has given us Holy Spirit was to teach us the kingdom culture so that we can be a witness, to give us power to win new people, which is being a witness, to have God on the inside of us so that we could do things that were for our good and his glory. Why? So that we could be a witness. So Holy Spirit is the primary thing on the inside of us that gives us the ability to win other people to Christ, to reconcile other people to the original purposes that God has in their life, to reconcile them away from depression and into joy, to reconcile them away from to poverty and into prosperity, to reconcile them away from broken relationships and into the wholeness of family. And so if you have Holy Spirit and you're only using it to speak in tongues and there's nothing wrong with speaking in tongues and you're only using it to shout and you're only using it to discern the intents of what's going on and you're only using it to praise God and you're only using it for to build yourself up. That's okay for you to do that. But remember what Jesus told the Pharisees and the Sadducees that you should not leave this thing undone, that you should have done that and not left the other undone because the primary reason that God gave us Holy Spirit was to be witnesses. And if you keep reading the verse, it says in Jerusalem and in Judea, Judea and Samaria and in other parts of the earth. And so if you look at this in some translations, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, it says first in Jerusalem and then in Judea and then in Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth. But Pastor Vito, why are you pointing that out? Because it's very important to understand the sequential way that God does things. God doesn't do all things at one time. If you look at the history of how he did things from Genesis to Revelations, he has the power to, in a blink of an eye, do everything at one time. He has the authority to, in one breath, do everything at one time. But God always does things bit by bit. He does things in a sequential order because he has to be an example to us as a good parent. You're always being an example to those following you as to how to do things properly. And so he wants to show us that I'm not expecting you to wake up tomorrow and evangelize the whole earth. I'm not expecting you to wake up next week and have a plan for me as to how you're going to witness 
to your whole city or to your whole town or to your whole county or to your whole state, that there is a sequence to this that I want you to do. Just like in the beginning, when he was creating the earth, he started with one thing and it took him seven days to do everything he, well, it took him six days and he wrestled on the seventh day, which I understand what I mean because y'all are Bible scholars. And within those days, he did a whole bunch, but because he is God, he could have just created the earth and everything in it in one moment. But he took time to map out a plan to build things because he wanted to show us that whatever he starts, he has the ability to finish, but we don't have the capacity to maintain a sprint our whole lives. And through his wisdom, he's modeled for us a sense of a marathon that you take it bit by bit and day by day and things like that. So when he says that he wants you to be witnesses to first Jerusalem, what that symbolizes for us now in 2023 is that he wants, and it's been like this for years, I'm just saying, because it's year 2023, he wants us first focused on witnessing to the people closest to us. Now, everybody just looks straight ahead, even though we're on this wonderful broadcast at my church on the My Church channel and the My Church app and the My Church on you on Roku and on Amazon. And my church is everywhere, y'all. How many of you have family members that you have completely written off because they get on their on your nerves? Some of them are showing showing some signs of the mental illness we talked about earlier, and you're focused on evangelizing people in Zimbabwe and people in um, Europe and people in China and people in Tanzania and people in Brazil and people in Mexico and people in Chile and people in Antarctica and people in Australia. But there are people in your family that you haven't focused your evangelism or your witnessing skills to. You have just reserved in your heart, my brother's crazy and that's just how it is. My sister, they get on my nerves. My cousins and them, I'm, I'm, I'm done with them. I'm tired of them. But Jesus said, it's in red in my Bible, that once the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that you now have received God on the inside of you. And that God on the inside of you has empowered you to be witnesses to those closest to you first. Your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your co-workers, your cousins, your mama and them, and the people who are closest to you. Sometimes we get so excited about being powerful in ministry and we wanna move mountains and we should. And we want to speak to demons and we should. And we want to build wells in far off places. And we want to send money to orphanages in the uttermost corners of the earth. And we neglect the people closest to us that Holy Spirit has empowered us to reach. Well, I invited them to church before and they won't come. Well, I told them about Jesus before and they won't listen. And I told them about this and they won't do this and they won't do that and they won't do this. But Holy Spirit has empowered you. And so maybe the focus, instead of it being on what they won't do or what they won't receive, 
maybe the focus should be inward on what God has empowered me to do and that I can speak to any mountain and it'll crumble and I can speak to any demon and it will flee. And if I have faith for anything, the Bible says, if you believe what you say, when you say it, you shall have whatsoever you say. That's Mark chapter 11. So instead of saying my cousin, my brother, my mom, my dad, my nieces, my nephews, they get on my nerves. They so unholy. They so, what if your confession was every day? Everybody in my family is saved. Everyone in my neighborhood is a, is a believer. Everyone at my job has had an encounter with God simply because I'm there. And that's what Holy Spirit has empowered me to do. And we're going to get to the people way over there in the uttermost parts of the earth. But can we start right here in Jerusalem? Can we start right here in the people who are most close to you? Because holiday season is coming and you know 10 people, whether you know it or not, you know 10 people who are going to deal with loneliness this holiday season, who are going to deal with missing a loved one, who are going to deal with missing their old income. So now they can't do Thanksgiving and Christmas the way they used to. They're going to be missing some things. And what if you position yourself right now in October to be there to minister the hope that they need to anchor themselves to something more than the void that they think they feel and they can be anchored to the hope of the word of God? Because you allow Holy Spirit to have his perfect work in you and the same hope that you have, the same joy that you have, the same long suffering that you have, the same excitement you have, the same ability that you have to see beyond where you are right now, you begin to minister to those who might not be your favorite people, but it's the ones that God has strategically put within your realm of reach. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's look at Corinthians. Let's look at Corinthians. Let's look at Corinthians. Corinthians chapter five, second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Okay. Everybody say I'm an evangelist. Everybody say I'm a witness. God has given me the ability to do that. Okay. Therefore, verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So right there, we eliminate any excuse. If you are in Christ, I don't care if you used to be the person who drank everybody under the table. I don't care if you were the most promiscuous person. I don't care if you were the best person to cuss somebody out. I don't care if you were a fighter. I don't care what you used to be, a white collar crime person, a blue collar crime person, all of those things. It says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creature. All things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. Verse 18, and all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me look at it again. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, it says to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto them the word of reconciliation. So it says all things are of God and now God has given to us 
the ministry of reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? It's just to reconnect. Reconnect what? Anybody who has been disconnected from their true identity as a kingdom citizen, he has given you and he's given me the ministry of reconciliation. There's so many people that I meet who say, Pastor Vita, I don't know my purpose. I know you know your purpose. You're a preacher. You're a teacher. You're an educator and your hospitality. You're walking your purpose so gracefully. I don't know my purpose. All of us have the same purpose and we just model it different ways. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. God is not concerned with who we used to be. I tell the ladies at Flow Church all the time, used to be means I'm not anymore. So I don't care about what you used to be. You can't come and remind me about what I used to be because by definition, if I used to be that, that means that I am not that anymore. God is not concerned with it. I'm not concerned with it. And you bringing it up does nothing to me, for me. It is a, a total non-issue and it's a non-issue for God. But he has given us this ministry of reconciliation that started on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter um, 1 verse 8 when Holy Spirit came and empowered every believer who received Holy Spirit to be witnesses. And now he's adding, this is Paul teaching the church at Corinth. Now he's calling it, in addition to witnessing, you can also call it the ministry of reconciliation. Then now you have the ability to go out and get people and reconcile them back to Christ, reconcile them back to their original state. And if you're a banker or an accountant, reconcile means to bring things back even or bring it back to zero, that you reconcile your checkbooks, you reconcile the debits and the credits and bring everything back to balance. God has given you that ministry. But look at verse 19. This is so good to me. It says to wit that God was in Christ. Underline that if you write in your Bible, that God was in Christ, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Keep your finger there and go back to Acts chapter one, because remember the Bible says that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. That's uh first John, uh, first John five and 17. As Jesus is, so are we were in this world and all throughout the gospels, it says, and we will do greater works than Jesus. So it says that God was in Jesus. Let's read it again. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So God was in Christ. And because God was in Christ, that's what empowered Jesus to be able to reconcile people back to God. But now over here, it says, but you shall receive power after Holy Spirit has come upon you. What is Holy Spirit? God on the inside of us. So just like God was in Christ, so that he can reconcile, reconcile, God is in us so that we can reconcile. And so we have the same ability. We have the same anointing. We have the same power to win people over to Christ, just like Christ had the same ability to win people over to the kingdom, to his father. Let's keep reading. Verse 20, it says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead to be ye reconciled to God. So now because we are kingdom citizens, we have Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And we have the ministry of reconciliation, meaning that you and I have the ability to fill my church. 
You and I have the ability to fill flow church. You and I have the ability to be responsible for exponential growth of these ministries, of all the things that God has called us to when we accept the power of Holy Spirit on the inside of us to be witnesses. And when we accept the gift and the calling to be reconcilers for God. And it even says in verse 19, and not only did God call us to be reconcilers and put himself on the inside of us, he said that he has given us a word of reconciliation that remember the Holy Spirit is a teacher. So he'll teach us what we should say when we need to say it. He says that he's even given us the words to reconcile people that when we talk to Sally, we might say one thing. When we talk to Brenda, we might say something else. When we talk to Greg, we might say one thing. When we talk to Paul, we might say something else. When we talk to Tyrone, we might say this. When we talk to Sheila, we might say this. When we talk to Brenda, we might say that. The Holy Spirit will teach us what to say when, when we need to say it to who, because he's given us the word of reconciliation. So then he goes on and he says, anybody who is willing to receive this assignment. Now, this is not for everybody. This is, there are some people who just want to get born again. They want to be saved. They want to make sure they get to heaven. They have no desire to minister. They have no desire to live for Christ. They have no desire to do. All they want to do is just make it in. I just want to make it in the gates. I just want to have my name in the book of life. They just want to do that. Okay. This next thing is not for them. This next thing is only for people who are willing to receive the ministry of reconciliation and stand before God in prayer and say, God, you can depend me. You can use me, God, to be a reconciler. You can use me, God, to be a witness. You can use me, God. God, you can depend on me to the people in my family, to the people in my community that I'm not going to ever give up on them. I'm not going to ever write them off. I'm going to, at every opportunity, listen to what Holy Spirit is saying to me, allow you to put the words of reconciliation in my mouth so that I can reach everybody who you've put within my grasp. If I pick up my phone and go through my contacts, God, I just believe God that every single person that you've allowed me to have contact with God, I declare right now in the name of Jesus that all of them are reconciled back to you. I pray for all of my siblings. I pray for all of my cousins. I pray for all of my uncles. I pray for all of my neighbors. I pray for all of my coworkers. God, I declare now I'm going to get up every morning and begin to speak over their lives. And when you allow our paths to cross, I'm going to listen to Holy Spirit for the word of reconciliation because God, Holy Spirit is on the inside of me and it has given me power to win people back to you. And so the people who receive that mandate, it says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. It says the people who receive that they are called the ambassadors for Christ. Now let's talk about an ambassadorship for a second. Because if you've ever gone, we live in uh, Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C., and we probably live about 35 or 40 minutes, probably more like 45 minutes from a place called Embassy Row. And once a year, um, you can, they, they have Embassy Day. I don't know what the formal name is called. And you can go into uh, probably about 75% of the embassies. All of them don't open their doors, but about 75% of the embassies here in D.C. open their doors. And you can bring your passport because guess what? Whenever you step inside of an embassy, you are officially on the ground of the land that they represent. So if I go into the uh, French embassy, I am technically in France. 
and the rules of France now apply to me. The rules of the United States don't apply to me. If I go to the Botswana embassy, I'm technically in Botswana, even though physically, if you were to look at a relative location of where I am or an absolute location using longitude and latitude lines, I would technically be in Northwest DC, but legally I'm in Botswana. If I go to the Chinese embassy, legally I'm in China. If I go to um, the German embassy, legally I'm in Germany. And wherever the ambassador lives is technically the land of the kingdom they represent. Why is that important? Because when you become an ambassador for Christ, you are now responsible for being so proficient in the culture of the land you come from, that you are now the representative that has been sent by the king to another land to bring that culture to that land, to be willing to host other people in the embassy so that people can see what the life is like in the land that you come from. And so when you're an ambassador for Christ, you've agreed to the ministry of reconciliation. You've agreed to be a witness. You've agreed to evangelize, but you also have agreed to become proficient in the language of our kingdom. And for us, we speak faith. If you've never heard of the language called faith, it's a beautiful language and we speak life and we don't speak death and we speak the word of God and we speak according to hope. And even when we have something bad in our lives, we speak to that situation, not about that situation because speaking about the situation doesn't change anything, but speaking to the situation changes everything. We dress royally. We wear the royal robe of the king. We speak faith. We eat healthy. We worship and we listen to music that glorifies our God. We have a whole culture in the kingdom. And that culture is about expansion. That culture is about colonizing. Anybody who lives in the United States knows all about what colonization is about, but we're colonizing now for the kingdom of God. And so he's saying, you've been made ambassadors. And ambassadors, a really big part of what they do is they have to run the embassy. If you're ever, when, when I travel with my children and we are so blessed, we get to travel with our children all over the country. Uh, my children, again, who are 21 and 13, uh, they have each been to at least 12 different countries at their ages. And one of the things that I always tell them when they go to any country, especially if they're going without us, is to find out where the American embassy is. Because if anything happens while you're in that country, your first thing is to get to the American embassy. Because in that American embassy, now you're going to be taken care of by the American military. The rules of the United States are going to apply to you. I'm so happy that my children weren't in Israel or um, in uh, any other country where unrest has pa Pakistan when all this unrest began. But if they had been there, I'd already trained them, get to the embassy. Because when you get to the embassy, the culture of the United States reigns supreme in that building. And even though you might physically be in Israel, even though you might physically be in Pakistan, even though you might have physically been in the Ukraine when Russia attacked it, once you get into that embassy, you're technically in the United States. And so now that you've received this ambassadorship and you've become proficient in the culture of the kingdom of God, and you have accepted the challenge or accepted the assignment from God to be an evangelist and win the people closest to you. Just think for a minute, if you could just, everybody who's in your phone, if you could win them into the kingdom of God, 
every single person in your phone. Just there, you have two or 300 more people that's coming into the kingdom. And then if they could win everybody in their phone, then if they can, and I know we got, we're going to build wells over there. I know we're going to build wells. I know we want to feed the orphanage. I know we want to do that. But what about the kids on your block? What about the kids at the public school two miles from your house who can't eat lunch because their parents couldn't afford the meal? What if you showed up and said the kingdom has showed up today? I'm an ambassador for the kingdom and I'm buying lunch for everybody and tell your mom and dad I go to my church. Guess, imagine if you just focus on what was close to you. So the ambassador, again, the ambassador, he or she lives at the embassy and wherever they live becomes the embassy, just like Air Force One becomes the embassy, becomes any uh any mode of transportation becomes Air Force One when the president gets on it. Wherever the ambassador goes is now the embassy. So your home is a unique tool of evangelism that you might be possibly overlooking that you could be using to evangelize the people in your phone. And again, I'm not talking about you evangelizing. You live in Virginia. We ain't talking about Texas right now. We're talking about Lynchburg. We're talking about Charlotte. We're talking about the areas where you have a, a, a headquarters there. We're talking about Prince George's County, Maryland, where we have a headquarters here. We're talking about Florida, where we have a headquarters here. We're talking about the people that God has already strategically placed in our lives. He placed them there for a reason, and it's for you to be the ambassador to reconcile them. And so you can use your wit, and we know that God's going to give you a word of re reconciliation but one of the tools that he has given you is your home. And I teach it to floaters like this, that we are all called to have an embassy home. And what an embassy home is, is a home that fully represents the kingdom of God. Now, let's be honest. There's nobody but us here. You don't have the ability to control what happens in the world. You have the ability to influence what happens in the world by your presence, by your voice, by your vote, and by your prayers, but you don't have the ability to control what happens in the world. But you do have the ability to control what happens in this sphere of influence that God has given you called your home. You have the ability to fully set the culture for your home. You have the ability to fully line it up with the word of God. You have the ability to determine what kind of music is played there, what kind of food is eaten there, what kind of attitudes are allowed there, what kind of habits are done there, what kind of routines are done there, how frequently you worship, how frequently you read the word, how frequently you laugh, how frequently you pray. You have the ability to establish a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is like in your home. And so what if you were to start using your home as a tool for organic evangelism for the people who are in your phone, starting with your spouse and your children. Next is your cousins and your in-laws and your brothers and your sisters. And then it's the neighbors that you invite over that when they come into your home, they feel like it's something different about this place. There's something so special here. I love hosting. I love welcoming people into my home. And every time I come, my prayer is God, let them experience you when they get here. Let them feel you. Let them feel your presence from the minute they come in the door to the minute they leave so that they don't forget what they felt when they were here. And I have had so many people say, 
Pasadena, I could just live here forever. There's something special about their house. And they might think that it's the air freshener. They might think that it's the furniture. They might think that it's the food that I'm cooking because I cook some really good food. But what they may not realize until I tell them is what they're feeling is the presence of God because the presence of God is always in his kingdom. And because my home is an embassy, because I'm an ambassador, every time they walk into the door, what they're experiencing is kingdom culture and a glimpse of what it's like to live under kingdom authority. When you come into my home, you instantly feel the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is here. You feel healing when you come here. You feel peace when you come here. We never have a chaotic, you know, even when things start to get busy, we just stop. Everybody stop. Just stop for a second. It's too chaotic in here. And God doesn't want us living in this chaos. And so when you're an embassy and you're an ambassador, you live in an embassy, you begin to see your home as a tool for evangelism. And you begin to open up your home to people. And I'm not telling you open up your home to the whole world, but to the ones that God has put a word of reconciliation in your heart. You've been praying and then God puts sister so-and-so in your heart. But God puts brother so-and-so in your heart. And God's put this person in your heart. You now have an open invitation for you to bring them to the environment that you can control. You can't control who sits next to you in a restaurant, but you can control what happens at your dining room table. You can control what happens in your backyard. You can control what happens on your front porch. You can control what happens on your back porch. It can be as simple as inviting somebody over to have a glass of lemonade or a glass of water or a glass of iced tea on your front porch. You have been given the dominion over that piece of land, that piece of the kingdom, you're the ambassador and you set the atmosphere. You are the one who has authority over it. You can do a Zoom call. Can't invite them over, do a Zoom. Let them see the background of your home. And it's not an embassy home has nothing to do with the furniture and how expensive it is. Or if you have rare art on the wall or if you have rare vinyl albums that were the first printing, none of that stuff matters. It's the kingdom atmosphere that you as the ambassador are able to set. So when they come in, they instantly feel like something is different. Now, one last scripture, one last scripture, uh, Proverbs chapter 14. I hope this is blessing you. Everybody say, I have an embassy home. Everybody say, I'm an ambassador for Christ. Verse one of chapter 14 of Proverbs, it says, every wise woman builds her house, but a foolish, but the foolish pluck it down with her hands. I minister this at women's ministry all the time because I've been teaching embassy home to ladies at Flow Church for, for a while. If any Flow Church people are worshiping with us today, hey y'all, I'm so happy you're here. This isn't new to them, but it's something that God put in my heart to share with my churches. I know that my church is just called to do so many things and y'all know what y'all are called to do. It's such a great vision. Every wise woman, remember, Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. Holy Spirit is the one that gives us wisdom to adapt to kingdom culture. So every Holy Ghost-filled woman, every Holy Spirit-filled woman builds her house, but the foolish pluck it down with her hands. So women who are watching, God has ordained for the husband to be the head of the household. And notice I said husband, not boyfriend, not, not, not living boyfriend. God has anointed every husband to be the head of the household. 
But based on Proverbs chapter 14, God has given every Holy Spirit filled woman the ability to build that house, meaning to build the atmosphere and the culture of that household. So women, you are empowered to set the atmosphere of that home. And men, if you're not married, you're a single guy, God will give you the ability to set the atmosphere in that home. You don't have to be married to, to walk in this authority right here. So women, you have the ability. God has given you the ability to build a home that is for your good and his glory, that reflects the fact that you are an ambassador. God has given you the ability to do that. Women, you set the tone for that household. You set the tone. You are the thermostat, not the thermometer, that you set the temperature for that house. You set the tone for that house. You said, oh, my children know that this is mommy's house. Y'all all live here. <laughs> Why? Because God has given me the responsibility to raise them so that when they grow up, they won't stray away from what God has told us to do with them. Now, Pastor Russell was the head of this household. He's the spiritual head of this household, but God is charging me with setting the atmosphere. He's charging me with setting the mood. He's charging me with setting the climate. He's charging me with setting the culture. When you come into this house, there's a culture of honor. From the time my babies were little you would think that pastor russell went off to war every day when they were little when daddy came home everybody ran into the kitchen to greet him coming into the garage because we wanted i wanted my children to know that your home is where you should feel the greatest level of honor. I don't want Pastor Russell having any feeling like anybody else honors him more than his family. Y'all treat him good when he comes to my church. Y'all treat him real good, but nobody treats him better than the people who live in this house, in this house. This is his sanctuary. This is my sanctuary. This is my children's sanctuary. My children know that they can always come home and they're going to always feel loved. They're going to always be at peace. There's not going to be any quarreling here. They're going to always be fed wide because even if they make mistakes, when the prodigal son came home, he was welcomed with open arms. And that's what your home as the embassy should represent. Your children should always want to come home because women of God, you've set the atmosphere. Husbands, men of God, you've had that authority that this place is a representation of God's kingdom. And we don't want to ever run people out of the kingdom and make them feel like they can't come back. And so you start with your home to always make people feel welcome because they're always welcome in the place where God is. Now, I'm not saying the cousin who cussed you out and, and pushed you down the steps, you need to invite them over, but I am saying that you can send them a card and invite them to church. You can invite them to my church and it would be signed from the such and such household. It's coming from the embassy. So everybody might not be able to come in, but you can still send correspondence out from the embassy because God has given you the word of reconciliation. Well, my time is up. I have so much more to share with you about an embassy home and how you can literally change a generation by just investing in setting the culture of your household because you're an ambassador for God and where you live is literally the embassy of God where people stand whenever somebody steps into your house if you set it up right they're literally stepping into a slice or a a, a small part of the kingdom of God because God's presence is there his rules are here. His acts are here. His miracles are here. His word reigns supreme. His word is the final authority for that place. And you have the ability to expose people to the kingdom simply by you walking in your ambassadorship. One of the things that I love about my church is that the pastors truly have a heart for this. 
this is not anything new to them. They have a heart for people. And I want to be sure that everybody at my church gets a hold of the heart of the pastors and evangelizes, evangelizes, evangelizes. My church is available for you to get it anywhere where you have Wi-Fi. You can get it and you might not need Wi-Fi as long as you have cellular service any place. So from this, for I charge you, every member of my church, from now to the end of the year, I want you to go through your phone and everybody in your phone, I want them to receive an invitation from you to my church. The services are available all week long. The app is available 24 hours a day. I want you sending an invitation to every single person in your, and look, do not send a group text with 300 people on it. Take the time to send it in, even if you only send five a day, and then another day you send another five, another day you send it, but do not send a group chat to that. That turns people off. That is not embassy like behavior. Don't do that because we want to fill up God's kingdom. We want to fill up God's house and it costs money to do ministry. And so I want you to give your tithe today. And if you're not a member of this church, I want you to sow a seed into my church. This is good ground. And the Bible says that when you sow into good ground, that you should fully expect a harvest. It says good measure, pressed down, running together. Will God cause other men to give unto your bosom? Flow in, sow into my church today. And I promise you that they will use that money to expand the kingdom. They will use that money for outreach. They'll use it to reach people. They'll use it to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And if you want to join this wonderful church it is a wonderful church led by wonderful pastors. You will be so blessed to be under the leadership of Lewis and Stephanie Tucker. They co-pastor this church together and you'll just be so blessed. And I'm telling you, they're going to tell you the truth. They're going to teach you the word. They're, they may not say it the way you want them to say it, but they're going to say it in a way that you need to hear it. And so you'll be taken good care of. Thank you, Pastor Tucker. Thank you, Pastor Stephanie, for having me. It was such an honor for me to teach here today. I love you guys so very much. And I declare now, I do this at the end of every Flow Church service. I just speak a blessing over the people. I declare now that my church is full of people who have accepted the call to be ambassadors for Christ. I declare the Flow Church... Um, I declare that my church is full of people who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are willing to be witnesses and who have accepted the charge to evangelize everyone in their phone. I speak now that my church is full of people who have embassy homes, who are using their homes to be an example of the kingdom of God and people who are full of the culture of the kingdom of God. God bless you. I love you. And I will talk to you soon. At my church, we help people get better by teaching them how the word works. And we want to make sure there is no excuse not to get the word. It's our goal to make all of our ministries accessible on every smartphone, tablet, PC, and television connected to the internet. So whether you're a man who needs some wisdom, a woman who needs some encouragement, or a couple who needs guidance, the My Church channel has just what you need. Simply search for the My Church channel on Roku, Fire Stick, or Apple TV, or visit MyChurchChannel.org. You can also download the My Church On The Go app from Apple or Google Play App Store. Constantly on the move? Check out the Word At My Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Or simply download the Word At My Church skill on your Alexa-enabled device. But whatever you do, make sure to stay connected. See you soon.